Hallelujah. I want to be sharing a, a number of scriptures this morning. I'm not going to start there, um, but as we begin to talk, you'll know exactly where we're at. Um, but I will share with you that one of the key verses of today is in the same chapter that uh, Chief Turner just shared from this morning. Um, I asked her to open scripture prayer, and she just, the only thing she asked me, she said, can you tell me what your subject is? And so I shared that with her, and that was all I said. But, um, but uh, she picked the number one scripture that, uh, that I had listed, and that's out of Isaiah uh, 40. And, um, and so we'll get there in, in a little bit, but we'll be looking at another passage here um, to get started. But as we begin this morning... Um, with the message, I'm, I'm going to ask you for your participation. Is that all right? All right. So just I'm cause you to just go back in your memory bank for a minute. And I want you to, to think about a place that you've been. Just think where, where, I mean, just the air was just totally fresh and pleasant. I mean, just the scent of, of nature was so pure. And you could just remember that. You, 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 do you got it? Can you, can you think of it? All right. Um, now I want you to think about the most beautiful, remote place that you've ever been where there was nothing man-made. And maybe it was just you or maybe you and your spouse and you were there. And, and, and just the beauty, just remote, middle of nowhere. Maybe it's someplace nobody maybe ever stepped their foot. Can you think of some remote place you just thought, this is absolutely beautiful. Huh? You been there? Been to those places? Yeah. All right. Have you have you been to a place where you experienced just an abundance of wildlife? Just maybe various kinds of animals or herds of animals, maybe herds of bison or deer or maybe wild animals or something. Or you had just this incredible encounter with wildlife and you just you'll never forget it. Just amazing. You have one of those? Can you remember a time when you physically, when physically, you just felt really good? I mean, no aches, no pains, right? Nothing, nothing wrong with your body. You just felt really good, and you were full of energy. Can you remember it? Who here today is that way? I mean, you, you just feel good. You feel really good. You're full of energy, no aches, no pains. I want you to stand up. Well, praise God, there is one. Something good does come out of Ripley. <laughs> Amen. And we go. And we go. All right. No aches, no pain. All right. So, so we've all been there, right? And uh, sometimes it's hard to go back, right? Uh, when was the last time that you recall not having any worries, no worries, no shame, no fears, no problems? No regrets. You'll remember having none of those. <laughs> do, you, do, you, do you recall a time when you were just totally close to God? And I mean, you just, you felt his presence. And even though he's not speaking audibly, it's like he was. And you were right there with him. And you were just consumed by his presence and just total peace and do you remember that? Why, why am I asking you these questions? Why am I, what am I getting at? 
if, if we would put all those things together in one day, we would begin to get a picture of what it was like for Adam and Eve in the beginning. We begin to see it. Isn't that amazing? And we got to work hard to find those things, right? Let alone to find all of them together. We got to we got to work really, really hard. And but if we would if we would do that, and that's what if we would do that, we would see and begin to experience what Adam and Eve just had every day in Genesis one and two. That's what was going on. Adam and Eve enjoyed an absolutely perfect. Say perfect. Perfect life. I ain't perfect. Perfect life, perfect environment, perfect everything, right? But what's hard for us today, because we, we always, everything we deal with is some sort of challenge or some sort of thing, but there's perfect. I told my wife, I said, there's a, there's a I mean, no, there's another perfect day coming, right? And we're going to be there one day. And I told my wife, I said, you know what? I said, honey, I said, it be good. I said, you're going you're gonna to be there. You're going to go to heaven, and we'll be around the table at the marriage supper of the Lamb, and you won't have to pause and say, hey, Jesus, is this like, is all this gluten-free? <laughs> you, you don't have to worry about it. I mean, just those things like that. Just, you don't have to worry about it, right? <laughs> Does this have calories? And, and I don't know if there is meat in heaven. <laughs> the very suffer the lamb. But anyway, I got in the flesh. I couldn't help it. But anyway. Um, <laughs> but they, they, they just had this wonderful way, didn't they? I mean, they had it all. They had it made. They, 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 they didn't want for anything. That. Y'all, did y'all get there? You get that picture? That was life built on God. Built on God, built on his word. That's what it was like. And that's what it's going to be like. Amen? And how do you know that even here now we can experience a large amount of that, even though we're dealing in a dichotomous world, we can experience that because Jesus said, you know what, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. How many of you glad we can still experience some amazing things even before we get to heaven because God's here, right? And so we can still do that. But in, in the middle of all this, the absolute perfect place, in the middle of all this, after Genesis 1 and 2, we come to Genesis 3, and along comes this talking snake. And somehow, I want you to think about it, somehow causes Eve to be dissatisfied or discontented with perfection. It was perfect. Y'all agree? Perfect. And she still was open for wanting more. Is that not the truth? <laughs> well, I, I just got to say, I got to think about it again. She was discontented, dissatisfied with perfect. If the enemy can speak things 
to cause people that are living in a perfect environment to be dissatisfied, how much easier it is for him to speak to us in an imperfect environment. Anybody, don't have to raise your hand, been dissatisfied or discontented with maybe what God has laid out for you? But all of a sudden, this everything's great, and this strange creature plants the idea in Eve's mind that she's missing out on some good thing. And she acts on this stranger's words after all that God had done and provided. She eats of the fruit from the only plant that God said, that one's off limits. Everything else is yours, everything, but... Just that one's off limits. Right? Apparently, she enjoyed it, the fruit, for a few moments because her husband was there and she said, hey, why don't you try some of this? <laughs> right? If she ate it and it was nasty, she would throw it away and say, man, I don't want none of that. No. So there must have been some momentary enjoyment there from the initial taste but did you know beyond that initial moment, neither Adam nor Eve ever testify to any good thing that come from that fruit? Let's learn from, from that. How many times has the enemy tempted us to go after some forbidden fruit and beyond that initial taste... There was nothing good we could say about it, right? In fact, everything began to fall apart. Everything changed for the worse. And we begin to see the depravity of man. One author put it this way. He said, you know, he stated this. He said, he said they knew good, but they were unable to do it. They knew evil, but they were unable to resist it. And life became hard and painful. And there was suffering. And women be especially became angry with Eve. Any <laughs> woman here saying amen? That Eve, I'm going to give her the what for when I see her. Right? It became tough. It all changed, didn't it? This was a result of life built on an alternative source, something other than God and His Word. And so, a couple weeks ago, I shared with you a message about, I preached about building for forever. We keep eternity in view when we do that. We must do that. This morning, I want to speak to you about building on forever about building on forever. Um, have you know that in order to build for forever, we must build on forever. There's only one eternal forever being, one forever foundation, and that is the Lord God. And I go now back, I start with Isaiah 40 and verse 8, or verse 28 in particular. He says, have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. 
The psalmist says, Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You see, we have, how I many of you know, if we have eternal life, we're going to be, we're going to live forever. We're going to live eternally from the point where we're created. We're going to live eternity, eternally, right? But God's eternity was eternity past and eternity future. It goes in both ways. And God is the forever one, meaning that you and I, we, we live and breathe because, and we have our being. By Him, we live and breathe and have our being, right? And so if anything ever happened to God, we would cease to exist. Even in the eternity, if anything happened to God, we would, we would no longer be. But God, we need God. God doesn't need us. He existed from, from the eternities before. And how do you find that hard to imagine? How do you just scratch your head and like eternity? Huh? Like there's no beginning? There's no, anybody ever struggle with that? It's like it hurts your brain. It's like trying to think about space, you know, the end of the galaxies and, the, and what's beyond that and what's beyond what's, Where does it stop? And when that stops, something else has to start. How I mean, you there's some things that just hurt your brain. We can't understand. We, we don't understand all of this. And so, but the, here's the thing, that we, that we know enough of God, we experience enough of God, that God is trustworthy and true. It's impossible for Him to lie. It's impossible for Him to be tempted with wrong, right? And He always, always, always has our best interests at heart. And so, building on the Lord, on the forever. 1 Corinthians says, 3.11, For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Going back to Isaiah 40, verse 8, I think it was referenced this morning, The grass withers, the flowers fade, but what? The word of God will stand forever. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. It's Matthew. Then he answered, it's written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but on every Word that comes from the mouth of God. I'm talking about building on forever. The only forever thing is God. Because God's forever and His Word is forever. It will, it will last forever. And that's what you can count on. That's what we build on. How many of you glad that you're building on something that it's not, it's not shifting, it's not changing, it's, it's not fallible, it's solid, right? You can count on it. How many of you, that, well, that gives you security? <laughs> Sometimes with life we've, Maybe relied on certain things and they've, we've found out they've let us down. But, you know, seeing, seeing all this, God's, God's, folks, God's eternal. He's the forever God. His word's forever. Jesus Christ is the forever foundation. And that's how you and I can have joy today in the midst of problems. Any of you still, any of you confess that you face some challenges, some problems every now and again? How many, how many of you have some, maybe some aches and pains today? right we can keep going we can have joy we can have the joy that we feel here this morning why because we're better than anybody else in the world no because of who we know and because of who we belong to because we belong to God and because God lives in us amen in this world you'll have tribulation but be of good cheer for I have overcome the world thank you mighty God you know it could be I don't know if I mentioned this, I was telling somebody about it, I can't remember where I said it, but just thinking about mankind's history from that point um, that happened there in the garden, reading mankind's history can be disappointing, discouraging, even depressing, <laughs> right? I mean, read, read through the Bible, right? 
Read through it. I mean, from Adam and Eve, sin entered. Then what happened? Then they, then they had kids. What happened with the first son? He murdered their second son. Right? And then the first generations happened. And, and, and man, did things get better? They got worse so bad that God said that even the, every, every intent of their mind when the time they wake up till they go to bed is evil all the time. So much that God just, he being a just holy God, he had to judge it. He couldn't bl- turn a blind eye. And he judged it and only one family survived. We're all descendants of Noah. Say, hey cousin, come on. We're all descendants of Noah, every one of us, right? And then, and then it goes on and, and the patriarchs, Man, it started out good, but man, they did some tough stuff. And I don't understand some of them, maybe it's some cultural thing, but I, I'll never understand, you know, how Abraham even could tell Sarah, hey, just tell them you're my sister, and, <laughs> and makes her vulnerable. I, I don't get that kind of stuff, right? And then by the time Jacob comes along, and he's tricked, and he ends up having two wives, and, and, and all that kind of mess. And, and I mean, you talk about problems. Folks, I'm t- read the Bible. God doesn't hold back. I mean, they're, they're just a mess, Incest and and murder and and manipulation and lying and maneuvering and just prejudice and all kinds of junk, right? It's all there. And you go on and God delivers Israel after 400 years of bondage, delivers and brings them out and, and only two adults make it. The rest of them die in the, in the desert because of their sin. Does that give you any hope? <laughs> I mean, you just feel encouraged, excited now, you know. You go into judges, it doesn't get any better. Man, God blesses them, and they turn from God, and they start walking their own ways, and everybody does, just does whatever seems right in their own eyes. And, and now you read through judges, and it, they just hit rock bottom until there's nothing left, and they crowd to God. God sends a deliverer, lifts them up, everything's great. Then they turn back from God, and, and they go back to nothing. God sends a deliverer. How many of you got the story? You move, into the, you move past the judges into the kings, it doesn't get any better. In Israel, in the nation of Israel, the northern kingdom, they never had, I don't think, a single good king. The southern kingdom, Judah, they had a few. It was just trouble. But thanks be to God, hope came along for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And in the middle of the darkness, God sends Jesus Christ, whom he promised back in the garden to Adam and Eve when sin first entered the world. And he promised them that he would send a Savior. And thank God he did, and he's here. And that's how you and I can have life and have it to the full, can live with joy and excitement, anticipation. Amen? We have hope for a great tomorrow. I'm thankful I know God. What about go ahead and give God a hand? Yeah. So, building on forever. We're building on God who's forever. We're building on His Word which is forever. Right? As I've said before, everybody's building on something. Anybody, everybody here, you're building on something. What is it? Everybody in the world's building on something. It may be science. It may be philosophy. It may be tradition. It may be some contemporary cultural thing. It may be feelings. It may be religion. It may be truth. Or maybe a talking serpent. But everybody's building on something. What are you building on? 
What do you what are you making your decisions based on? How are you how are you governing your life? We're all building on something, right? I hope that something is on forever. It's on God. It's on Jesus Christ, the eternal foundation. That it's on his word because it's reliable. He's reliable. So what do you build? What what laws of what kingdom are you building on? There's a lot of kingdoms of the world, a lot of nations of the world. I think 200 some odd nations in the world, right? They all have their own laws. In the Netherlands, you go there, I was reading something by John Bevere, and he's talking about that in the Netherlands. Um, that you, you go there and it's okay, it's perfectly okay to be to carry marijuana, to have marijuana on you and all that stuff. It's creeping in here too, isn't it? Um, but it's okay to do that. But then you go to Singapore, a different story, right? <laughs> you know anything about that? With certain drugs, you're caught with certain drugs, it's punishable by death. In fact, when you fly into Singapore, this policy is written on the entry card. Death to drug traffickers under Singapore law. So you take some guy who comes from the Netherlands, and he's just smoking his pot, and he comes on into Singapore and makes some friends and things. Hey, I got some feel-good pot here. I'll just share that with you. And they catch him. Son, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. He said, well, where I come from, it's all okay. You're not in the Netherlands. You're in Singapore. And we can all go say, but, but God, in the, in the world, <laughs> in this kingdom, we can do this and we can do that. God says, we're not there. This is the kingdom of heaven. And no matter what you've been used to out there, it's not okay here. There's no liars, there's no prostitutes, there's adulterers, there's no anything, there's nobody sleeping around going to enter the kingdom of heaven. The Bible says, you know, those, those things are sin. It doesn't say those things are sin unless you happen to be going to church at the same time. It says they're sin, period, whether you're in church or not. And these, these are the ways. How many, I'm, I'm talking about what are you building on? What laws, what kingdom are you building on? And that same thing in Singapore, the laws are so strict. I mean, they believe in, they literally believe in capital punishment. They take a rotan rod and, and uh, anybody know about that? And caning. They practice caning there. Anybody familiar with that? Oh, yeah. You gotta be careful. Hey, read the stuff before you go to Singapore. One of the a US citizen, young guy, US citizen, went to went to Singapore and, and vandalized a car and he was caught and and was found guilty. And judge, they brought him into punishment, and he was going to receive a number of, of strikes with a rotan rod, which is, it can't be any thicker than a half inch, and it's about no, no, no longer than three foot nine inches long. That's the maximum strike. And they have people trained. Come on up, come on up. <laughs> Man, I need a rod, I'll tell you. Uh, Joe, where are you at? You just love this moment. Amen. You know, yeah, well, just grab that chair over there. Would you just grab that chair, bring it here? And, and um, yeah, I'm looking for something to serve as a rod, but I can't find one. <laughs> there we go. I'm built. <laughs> yeah, and they have you, they, they, you bend over. No, 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 no. Bend over. Put your hands here. Now, some of you younger generation know what this is like. How many of you growing up knew what this was like? No, 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 no. 
And then what they would do over there, and then and there's no jeans. There's no nothing. And you got a trained guy with a half-inch rod that's been soaked in water all night so it doesn't splinter. And with all his might, he's trained to strike this guy with every fiber of his being. I mean, you ready for that? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, buddy. It was so severe, the U.S. president requested mercy, but not even the president of the United States could spare this guy from the punishment. I mean, know that Singapore is the third safest city in all the world. <laughs> we, we, we keep being lenient over here. And things keep getting worse because there's no consequences. We become so lax. Right? We got so many freedoms, so many privileges. It really, it really woke me up to that one day I was... Years ago, 2006, I was doing my master's in Lakeland, Florida. Some of you remember. And I'd travel once a month. I'd travel to Lakeland. Um, I'd fly out on, on Monday afternoon. I'd have classes all day Tuesday. I'm talking to eight, nine hours all day Tuesday, all day Wednesday, all day Thursday, half a day Friday, get in the car, travel from Lakeland into Tampa Airport, Tampa International Airport. And, um, and, and traffic was regularly heavy. This particular day, there was accidents, and it was impossible. It was just a parking lot, standstill. I finally make it to the airport and um, rush in, put my, my info into the kiosk there, and nothing. Do it again, nothing. I run to the counter. I said, hey, what's going on? I said, I, I got to catch this flight. And I said, sorry, sir, you're too late. I said, what do you mean too late? And they said, no, you're too late. You got to check in whether it was 60 minutes or 45 minutes, whatever it was. Um, before before the flight took off, and, and I was three minutes behind that, three minutes. And they said, we're sorry. We can't do anything. I said, the plane is right there. I can see it. It's right there. <laughs> I could be there in a couple minutes. They said, we're sorry, sir. So I ended up, I mean, I was missing. I was furious on the inside. <laughs> you know, I was not happy about it. I'm like, what are you talking about? uncontrollable circumstances, the plane's right there, what's the problem? But they had their laws, you know, all those things that changed after 9-11. And so I spent the night in Tampa Airport. It reminded me, you know what? We're governed by God's set of laws, which are very liberal, by the way. Remember Adam and Eve is a great example. He gave them the whole world, so just this one tree's off, off, off limits for you. God will never, ever put anything out of off limits for you or me unless it's bad for us. If it's good, he wants us to enjoy it within the manner, he says. Amen? Right? But folks, listen, what, what, what are you building on? Doesn't matter what laws, doesn't matter what your cousin says, doesn't matter what, doesn't matter what your preacher says. If it's not lined up, with what God says, it's not going to work for you. I don't care what contemporary culture says. People say, oh, that's just old school. You know, we've, we've arrived. We've, you know, we've evolved. We've, we've become better now. You know, we can do this today and all of that. You know, ridiculous. Unless God says it's okay, it's not okay. Right? 
Well, it's the laws of the land, but, but, but Lord, where we grew up in America, it's legal to do this. It's legal to marry somebody the same sex. It's legal to do this and that and to be involved with this or whatever. And God says, but that's, that's not my way. What are you building on? We're keeping eternity of you because we're building for forever. But building for forever, we got to build on forever, which is God and God alone and His Word. Amen? Building on forever. I think it was, it was either William McDonald or, or Arthur Farstad. They both contributed to specific commentary. And, and, and they said, they made this statement. Listen, I said this. The ideal environment of Eden did not prevent the entrance of sin. The ideal environment of Eden did not prevent the entrance of sin. So if a perfect environment is not the answer, and have you understand it's not. The perfect environment is not the answer. Right? Being in church doesn't make you or me safe. Being in ministry does not make me safe. A perfect environment is not the answer, so what is? The answer is dwelling in the presence of God, meditating, activating His Word in our heart, all by our choice. And then it doesn't matter what the environment is out there because we're walking with God. We're dwelling in His presence. Amen? That's why Psalmist says in Psalm 91, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He's my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers. Under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and your rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right side, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you make the Most High your dwelling... Even the Lord, who is my refuge, then no harm will befall you. No disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord. Because Ed loves me. Because Chase loves me. Because Rusty loves me, right? Because Daniel loves me, because Donna loves me, because Lori loves me. The Lord says, I will rescue them. I will protect them for they acknowledge my name. He will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him or her in trouble. I will deliver them and honor them. With long life will I satisfy them and show them my 
salvation. For the one who dwells in the presence of Almighty. Isn't it something in that perfect environment? Where's Eve? (laughs) He's in the one forbidden thing. And Satan takes advantage of it. And there's no picture of God being there on the scene. Not dwelling in his presence. God would come down. We know he came down in the cool of the day. Come down, visit with them, fellowship with them. How many know God wants to be with you? And oftentimes, I mean, you wouldn't, you wouldn't even know God. I wouldn't know God had he not come to us first. And so many times God just comes to us. How many know God wants us? Now we have the ability to approach him. That we can reach our arms out. And you know what? That's what makes worship like we had this morning so special to God. And such a blessing to God. Because we, by our own free will, are choosing to dwell, to be in the presence of Almighty God. Doesn't really count for anything if somebody drug you to church today. <laughs> but if you said, I, like David, I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. We're going to church today. Praise God. Yeah. Amen. And that we're not limited to just. Sunday or some designated time to be together but God wants us to dwell in him blessed is the one who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers but his delight her delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law they do meditate day and night Are we getting in trouble sometimes because we're choosing not to dwell in the presence of God? I mean, no, you can't can't dwell in the presence of God and go out and sin. You just can't do it. (laughs) Because you start to do that, God's gone. The Holy Spirit's left, right? The dove has flown away. But if we dwell in the presence of God, amen? At that moment, Eve was not dwelling in God's presence and she was not listening to his voice. And her helpmate was not doing her any good. He was busy doing whatever, not paying any attention to the fact that his wife was being distracted by this tree. And Satan moved in, and he didn't even realize it. Folks, we need God, and we need each other. Amen? To help us. That we dwell in the presence of the Lord. Boy, the enemy fills our lives with distractions, doesn't he? It's an enemy. Distraction is an enemy. That the enemy, the I think it was Dallas Willard that said, life is just built in such a way that it robs us of time. And we need to redeem that time. It robs us of time by us so often engaging in things that are not beneficial but are nonsensical sometimes even destructive and harmful yes are we are we are we dwelling in the presence of god we all talk about what busy I'm so busy. How many of you ever said that? Man, I'm so busy. Come on, lift your hand. 
I'm so busy. I got to do all this stuff. Let me ask you, all that busyness, all that stuff, how many of those things are really necessary and are really important? Or how many of those things has culture just kind of pushed on us or we've embraced? Because it's just the thing we do in this life. Oh, we'll give God his time. We'll give him that hour on Sunday morning. And then we'll catch him next Sunday. And, and, and today, you can get services, man. They can give you everything you need in half an hour. You get in and out. You put your money in, and we'll give you a quick couple songs and a, a quick encouraging word and send you on your way, and now go. Now live your life. Forget about God. Live your life. And come back next Sunday. Drop your money off. Come on. Folks, y'all with me? Is this not the truth? Is that how God wants us to live? No, he made us to dwell with us. He's Emmanuel, God with us. And, and, and I'm so thankful that, you know, in the beginning, there's only a few good chapters, really, in a sense, in the, in the Bible, and that's Genesis 1 and 2 and Revelation 21 and 22, because Revelation 21 says that there was a new Jerusalem coming down. In the meantime, there's a lot of trouble. The only thing that's given us hope is in the middle of that, God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, the firm foundation, the rock on which we stand, and through Him we can enjoy life and be free. Amen? But we're looking forward. But our best is not here and now. Our best is yet to come. Amen. It's yet to come. It's awaiting us. Hallelujah. So the key is not, you know, we all as parents, how many know we all parents, we try to put our kids in this, this safe environment. Listen. And we should. But no matter how good your home is, it's not the Garden of Eden. It's not. And if sin could make its way in there, do you think it could make its way into your house? We need to be wise in what we do and the best we can provide our kids, especially in those formative years where God's molding them and shaping them and helping them to see kind of like a the mold for cookies, you know, and you and you know, you gotta have that mold to hold it in shape until it gets cooked. <laughs> and and it's hard and you lift it off and it holds its shape. You hope that happens in your home. Right? You're providing this environment. Come on, moms and dads, you're with me, you're providing this environment. And you're saying, son, daughter, this is how we need to live. This is how God's designed us to live. And you keep them in that mold. But there comes a time they got to spread their wings and fly. They got to do their own thing. They got to choose what they're going to build their life on. And you remove that mold. And then it's up, it's up to them what they're going to do. Right? But you see, the key is not, but it's an imperfect world out there. Yes, it is. There's all kinds of, folks, the drug thing is a mess. It's a mess. Families are a mess. The internet. Pornography. Do you think you're going to prevent your kids from ever seeing anything? You're crazy. You can try. They're going to see it. But you know what? That's not where things fall apart. They can endure. They can be victorious 
if you've taught them the secret is not the perfect environment. The secret is dwelling in the presence of the Most High. Come on, give God a hand. I think. So thankful that our sons didn't fall prey to a bunch of stuff, though they were had exposure, but they were taught and modeled and expected to value time in God's presence. Not go to church and check the box. And I'm going to tell you, and you know what? Middle of the week, they were in Rangers. They were in youth. And when sports came along, we said, hey, listen, sorry. They can't make Wednesday. We'll be there the rest of the time. They can't make Wednesday. That's youth night. And they're going to be in the house of God. When that's over, they're there. Why? Teaching them the priority thing about dwelling in the presence of God. Listen, Pastor Chase has got his job worked out for us because he's not just competing against the devil. He's competing against godly people that feel like there's other things that are more important. How many of you were ministered to by Pastor Chase's word last week? Guess what? He poured that message into your kids the week before or so. If they were here. Okay. Folks, I'm telling you, Pastor, why are you so passionate? Why are you so real? Because eternity is on the line. And we got one shot at it. I missed the flight to Tampa, so what? I'll get the flight the next morning. But there's no other flight going out of here. There's just one. And it's all on the line. It's eternity. Folks, come on. Let's wake up and not let culture dictate what we're going to do. Or make this thing because there's some flippant grace. And I, I love it. You preach the message. Nothing can stand. Nothing is to stand on the throne of our heart. Except for God. He's number one. You can't be number one in my heart. My wife can't be number one in my heart. My family can't be number one in my heart. You can't be number one in my heart. My occupation. My, my finances. Nothing can be number one. It's got to be him. That he's number one. Most important. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Come on, folks. Listen, listen. I, I, you have to probably preaching to me because I got to, I'm preaching to you because I'm preaching to me. Maybe you don't need it. I need it. I need to remind myself what's out there. And there's only one safe place, Pastor Ed. And it's not by the fact that you are ordained or because of what you do, or because you're in church, Ed, your only safe place is to dwell in my presence and to live by my word. And no matter what decisions everybody else makes, we've got to have that tenacity of Noah that says that whatever the world does, God, I'm going to walk with you, I'm going to honor you. And if I have to stand alone, I'm going to stand alone. Y'all with me? I'll close, you know, with this um, great man of God, Dr. Dick Foth, author, speaker, great storyteller. His wife, his, his daughter, rather, followed in his footsteps, and um, she and her husband pastor a great church, or did, in, in California. Um, I think they still are, but um, 
she followed her dad's footsteps and, and also became an author. And, and um, in one of the books she shared that they were just, she and her, her son Jack, he's nine years old at the time, nine. And um, Emma's going to turn nine today. She did turn nine today. Hmm. But they were there. They were at the house. They were just playing board games or playing video games, talking about swimming or something. And just out of that non-serious environment, this nine-year-old asked this deep philosophical question. Mom? Do babies go to heaven if they die? He said, yeah, they do. He said, what about three-year-olds? Do they go to heaven when they die? He said, yeah, they do. Yeah, they go to heaven. He paused for a minute. He said, what about nine-year-olds? She paused. <laughs> I mean, no kids have a way of asking those tough questions. She said, I, I think only God gets to decide that, Jack. Because he knows when each nine-year-old becomes aware of their sinfulness and when they're old enough to understand about him. And he said, I understand about my sinfulness. And then I think he made a few comments blaming Eve. <laughs> you see, it's eternity is planted in all of our hearts. Even if people try to deny it, it's planted there. And somewhere, you know, even in a young child's mind, eternity begins to come into view and they want to know. They want to know about it and how they're going to be prepared for when they step into it. Amen? Are you ready for eternity? Are you building on forever?